Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Watch your listeners, and welcome to episode 128 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I'm joined by a man whose recent quarterly article titled The Modern Metro Petsule, How to Make Your Pet a Star of the Suburbs, it's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Robbie. I'm good. Metro Petsule. Metro, mate, I've been practicing Metro Petrol all the way home in the car, trying to make sure they didn't come out saying Metro Pet Sexual or something like that, because that would have been weird. Yeah. You know? no, I, I, I didn't want to start with weird so early on in the podcast, Lewis. I had to try and make sure I got it right. Yeah, Metro Petrol. I love it. Yeah. It's very yeah, it's original. A little, little bit of petscaping. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Kath and Kim, it's nice. It's unusual. It's different. It's nice. <laughs> I've been watching a bit of that with the girls. I've been loving it. Have you? Yeah, they're getting yeah. into that, are they? Yeah, yeah they love a bit of old Kath and Kim. Uh, we've been, um, we, we've gone back into the archives and uh, tr- watching some old episodes of uh, the Amazing Race. Mm. You know, because yeah, the Amazing Race twenty twenty is pretty crap. You know, it's just <laughs> just the contestants walking up and down their room. You know, uh, up and down their house, their hallway, roadblock. Oh, someone's got to do the dishes. Oh, excellent. You know, well, <laughs> it's a bit like uh, on Facebook. You know, doing the vir- we're doing the virtual tour of Pompey Pompey Oh really? Oh yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, we're doing that tonight. Yeah. Fantastic. And then and then That's tomorrow cool. night we're doing the virtual tour of the the Leaning Tower of Pizzas. So oh, yum. That's good. <laughs> is, is isn't that just Mario's down the road or he just tries to stack the boxes really really high and he just gets a little bit lazy and just has them all sort of going on an angle? Pretty much mate, pretty much. That's where it's at. Uh, when when we were going through Italy back um 2004 or 2005 um we uh Mum had just sent over a care package. Um, so we were overworking in England. And so she sent over the, a care package that had new tub of Vegemite in it, packet of Tim Tams, barbecue shapes, caramel koalas, twisties, cheesels, you know, all the things you can't get over in England. Cherry ripe? No cherry ripes. No, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't old enough back then to actually enjoy cherry ripes because right. of the dark chocolate. You know, now I enjoy a cherry ripe because now I'm a refined, I've got a refined 40-year-old's palate. You know, but, uh, right. but back then, cherry ripes were always the one that stayed down at the bottom of the of the of the Cadbury favourites box until yep. right at the end with the Turkish delights. Yep. Um, so uh, as we're going around Italy, we had all of these um, different snack foods, and so I'd take a picture of them in front of each one. So the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you got me there holding up the Leaning Tower of Pisa with a with a twisty. You know, so everyone's standing there holding, holding it up, you know, pretending to hold it up or sort of kneeling down and pretending it's coming up out of that, out of the bot, you know? Right. Um, well, well, I've heard of people take a picture. We of might that. make that our logo for this episode. What do you reckon? Be the, well, uh, the, the leaning tower of the Pisa coming out, coming out of the bot. Yeah. Holding with a twisty in your bottom. Oh, with a twisty. Yeah. Yeah. Twisty in your um, bottom, holding up the teeth. What? Is that the one? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, uh, for the, when we were in um, Florence with the statue of David. Yes. I there, there had a chisel. Yeah, so so round little cheesel, just 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 highlighting the uh, the 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 go the go area. We we on uh, Christina's shoulders, trying to just uh, like a coit, just trying to like a just trying to land it on there. We just oh, I wasn't trying to let. Well, I wasn't trying to land it on there. I was just trying to, trying to hold it off from a distance because it would look a little bit weird, oh. like putting it on there like some sort of a, you know, well, a, 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 a Marion we device, ring, ring device sort of situation. We, yeah, we, we were there. We were there fairly, maybe soon after you because I did notice there was a bit of an orange tinge on the on the, <laughs> on the, <laughs> on the <laughs> a bit of orange, bit of orange crumb around on the, yes. uh, on the foreskin of, of I David. We, I thought the pigeons had maybe pecked off the, 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 the burgering that you put on there. Anyway. Maybe. Mate, Mate. Yeah, don't, don't ask where I hid the twisty on the Statue of David, though, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, how's your week been? <laughs> What's been happening? Um, um, mate, I, I, had, I, I got harked back to my old, um, old days of when I used to work out in Warrigal and Frankston the other day. We had a whelping Oh, wow. A Ooh. whelping. So, so where a little, little baby dog had to come out of the rear end of a, of a mummy dog, you yeah. know? So it was well, a bit... you, you do know it doesn't come out of the rear, rear end, kitties, just for those kitties that are listening. It's not, 
yeah. not, not out of the rear end. It's out of something else. It's a, it's a different, it's a different, it's different orifice. Absolutely. Yeah. But yes. you know, it's, it's, it comes out of the back. Yeah, you know, so you've got a head Just end that checking. food goes in, and the and the the back end where things come out. So it's in the end where things come out. That's <laughs> not. I don't confuse it more. Anyway, everyone knows where babies come from. Hopefully, <laughs> oh, they should hopefully old enough to listen to this podcast. Yeah, right. Go on. You had a whelping. Yeah. So um. So yeah. A uh, uh, dog came in was having trouble um having pups or, or actually no she'd had one but it was stillborn. And so the owners brought her in. Um, she wasn't doing very much. So, uh, so I did the, uh, you know, donned the glove and went in there and had a feel and tried to stimulate the Ferguson's reflex. So, so trying to stimulate the cervix, see whether I could get some uterine contraction. Um, and I could feel the puppy's head just trying to engage in the, yeah. in the, in the birth canal. Cute. wasn't really coming very well. And so gave it a shot of oxytocin and then, you know, gave her a little bit of time and then out it came, ready to, ready to go. So grabbed a hold of him around the back of his head and pulled him out and cracked open the sack and gave him a bit of a, a bit of a rub and started making some noise and Love oh, that well, noise. How Love good's that, that, you know? So I took, took him back out to the, um, or the mum back out to the owners and with the baby as well and said, look now, take her home, keep her quiet. It'll probably be a little bit of time before the next one's got to come because it yep. feels like there's more in there. And then just as we're walking out, because it, we're COVID, so we're outside consulting outside, the owner's gone, Oh, what's that? And I've looked down and out comes, out comes the next uh, one. Uh, Whoa, uh, geez, I didn't get to try and catch it. Fell out of my hand, landed on my foot, you know. Oh, you know cush, cush, cushion uh, the floor. So, so I'm down on the ground, you know. Traffic going past. Here's me ripping open. Lucky, the, lucky you had your moccasins on for the soft landing, I guess. Oh, that's the only way to fly. It wasn't hard enough for it, for it to uh, you know, set off the airbag in the shoes, you know. Yeah. So that was, it was a nice, nice. It was in a fluid sack anyway. So yeah. it was nice. And you know, so cracked open the fluid sack. I'm yeah, in there yeah. rubbing it while clients are walking past. Everything. That's right. It's just a normal day at the office. Fantastic. You know? That's exciting. How many puppies in the end? Uh, so there was the one stillborn. We got the two out. And I believe there was another two in there to still come out. Very so nice. So we then got her home before she dropped any more out on the footpath <laughs> that's yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> very nice but that's right, but i've been so long since we've had to do one you know no, that's so, not me like uh, obviously you know been doing smallies for so long and when my first uh when stella was born and obviously you know these days present at the birth all that sort of stuff and yeah. the, you know the the um obstetrician was like oh you know you um do you want to catch sort of it wasn't we knew it was Stella we didn't know it was Stella but we named her afterwards anyway they were yeah go past that bit anyway catching her when she came out and um yeah, yeah of course I'll catch her yep yep big you know first time dad that's just fantastic amazing it's like yeah yeah everything's Deb, Deb's doing an amazing job out comes you know Stella catch her all that sort of stuff my first thought no, it wasn't. Oh, isn't she amazing? It's most yeah yeah miracle it, of life. Yeah, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. my first my first thought was. She smells just like a calf's been born. <laughs> just that, you know, that sweet sort of don't everyone to know that anyone who's ever, you know, ever been around a new baby knows that sort of smell, but that's exactly how, how a calf smells. So yeah, just that, was, that fluid that, that, you know, just, yeah, yeah, just moist, damp, fluidy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I reckon it's like sweet donuts in some ways. That's what sweet Deb donuts. Says. Yeah. Like sweet cooking donuts. Really nice. Wow! Wow! I don't, Did you um, take the puppies? so they smell like donuts? N- no. Well, the, the the mum was eating the placenta like it was a donut. She was she you know she couldn't get it off it you know get get the placenta off and, and chewing the cord too. Yeah, you know, right. You know, some, well, sometimes sometimes the mums they don't get the job done and you got to you know clamp yep. it and and tie. But no, she she was getting stuck into it like it was the you know the the, the latest uh, you know Pete Evans style fad of just going oh placenta crazy. Fantastic. Now, anything else been happening, mate? Uh, um, yeah, so we've had. Um, this is just. I'm just. I just had a big week because you've been on holiday. So, yeah, I've got know, nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. You know, uh, I mean, you're, you're looking. Every day I'm shuffling, just same again, same, same. Mate, you're looking. You're looking really tan too. So you must be doing well, getting for, following the sun from the east to east to the west, like a like a cat. Yeah, and no, it hasn't been a lot of sun, but um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to be in the sun. Yeah, but no, I'm just at home. Yeah, it's just, no, there's no. nothing because we're in lockdown, aren't we, in Melbourne? No. Makes you wish that you were a, uh, a, a a wag of one of the AFL footballers, so you can get all expenses paid trip up to the Gold Coast, get your holiday paid for, or get your accommodation paid for. And now the season's over, it's like let's just all head to Noosa. Well, season's not over, mate. Only for, for... Are you giving up already on the season, mate? Oh, no, I'm talking about the bottom Collingwood eight teams. Supporter. 
No way, mate. I'm there. I'm sure we've got a great chance flying over to Perth and living out of the hotel room <laughs> for seven days before coming out and playing at playing the Western Australians. Classic Collingwood supporter, mate. You've just given up on the season once finals come. Oh, fair enough. I see where you're heading there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have yeah. had thoughts of speaking of travelling, of going to Northern Territory. And, yeah, oh uh, yes. Quarantining for two weeks just to get back to Brisbane in time for, for hopefully the pointy end of the finals. Right. Yeah. It was keen for me to go, but yeah, I thought it was probably not fair, really. Not fair, you don't think? Probably, no. probably not fair in the family. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. I've got it, and, and it's a it's a big leap of faith too. Yeah, you got four weeks or two. Yeah. Mind you, Northern Territory, not the worst place to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got the resort up there. You know, that well, you, that you can stay no, I think you're or you're in one of the old uh, one of the old army bases. Yeah, I think you're in a minor sort of cottage. I don't know if I said, but I had a friend who's a, a doctor who uh, went up went up there and had to do two weeks quarantine. He said he sat his room. He sat in. He could from from where he's sitting, he could touch the toilet, the bed, and the kettle without moving. From one that sounds spot. very. That sounds very unhygienic. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> Not in that order. I'm sure it wasn't that order. Anyway, but big um, thank so, you to our sponsors. I reckon we better move on, sponsors. All right, no problems at all. Uh, so Zilkeen, um, uh, thanks for uh, Zilkeen for you know <laughs> all the time of where you've been sponsoring the podcast and. We really, there's the last time. So after this, <laughs> if anyone's got any, no. <laughs> no. No, big thank you to Zilkeen. Really appreciate. Do appreciate you guys' sports. Good product. Um, mild anxiety lowering medication. Um, I did have a. What did I have this week? A cat that um, uh, that had some issues with with toileting around in the wrong spots, and so we thought, yep, let's try it on, on some Zilkeen. Um, and it's a great product, uh, you know, no side effects or limited side effects. I mean, you can't go high, very high doses. Um, uh, if, if it's not working at the low, low end of the doses, sometimes it might cause a bit of diarrhea, but it's a milk derivative. So all natural products. So, and you can buy it from your pet shop or, um, get around them. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah. But go, also- and talk, go and talk to your vet, particularly if it's, um, if you, I mean, it's the good thing is with it, it's, you can be using it with other medications as well. So, you know, no matter if you could, if it's an old dog or an old cat and you've got it on lots of other meds, you can, you can use it uh, pretty safely with that too. So. Yep. Perfect. Yep. And of course, also big thanks to delicate care. Um, also great, a great food. They're um, an Australian made food. Uh, big shout out to Andre who, uh, who um, is the, the rep for, for delicate care. He's, he's uh, doing his time in Tasmania. So he's actually allowed out and do everything a bit different to us in, in oh, Melbourne. So good on de- you, Andre. Yeah. But delicate care uh, made, made over in Perth, Australian made, uh, made from, uh, made from one of our, our coat of arms emblems, the, the, yep. the, the kangaroo. Yes, and yet not the emu. It's the kangaroo version. They, uh, is there any talk about going that they've gone in a full uh, Australian coat of arms uh, diet, ready just in time for for Australia Day? I think you know? there is. I think there's a there's an emu and cane toe diet on the on the on the on the books. Yep, pretty Ter- sure. Terrific. Um, I, and is it is it got the, the the nice tingle in the lips that sensation that it gives? You know the the you know just the same as if a dog goes and licks the back of a cane toad. Pretty much, and includes a um, special attachment for the hose for hosing out the mouth afterwards after they've mouthed the cane toad. Wow, what yeah. a what a wonderful world that we live in. And is there anything in the emu that goes in the emu diet? Anything that goes in there other than just beaks and cloacas or? Uh, toenails. 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 So they, they do have big toes. Yes. So, so, so that's a, make a substantial amount of, uh, of the protein intake. It's good for their teeth. Good well, for their teeth. As yeah. it should be. And, yeah. and, then, and they do have a dental diet that has nothing at all to do with uh, emus. <laughs> toenails. No, we don't. It's all cloacas. But thank you, Delicate Cats. It is a good food. Um, so, so get them around if you, your, your pet, uh, you know, you, you're wondering about maybe some new foods for allergies or you've got some, Got some, particularly in the cat, some skin issues or some stomach issues and really, really good food to try it for your cat. Yeah, there's very limited uh, uh, diets out there for cats that are of a novel protein nature. So it's really good to have one that's uh, as palatable as what the, uh, the the delicate care sensitive skin and stomach diet is. So um, so it's good. That's a, it's a very, very good option. It's certainly one that we've got uh, as part of our uh, uh, therapeutic repertoire for cats. Spot on, mate. Spot on. And also be thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, you know, if, if you like what we do on this podcast, um, you can throw us a couple of bucks. Um, we really certainly do appreciate your support. Um, it does mean that um, that we can keep sponsors to a minimum as well on the podcast if we've got a bit of support from um, 
from our, our listeners like you guys out there. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So, Lewis, what have you been busily researching while oh. you've been uh, sitting around the pool at your uh, at your seaside mansion? Thanks, mate. Yeah, seaside mansion. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> McMansion. That's it. Um, uh, this is an article I saw. It's come from The Guardian from the UK. Right. Uh, close to 100% accuracy. Helsinki, wow. Helsinki Airport uses sniffer dogs to detect COVID. Wow. So yeah, about those, those fins are really, it sounds like they're on it. They're on top of it. Have you been to Helsinki? I haven't, no. no it's very boring. Is well, it? a shout out to Helsinki listeners. I'm sure it's improved since 2004 or whenever it was, 2000 something when I went there. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's really, really kicked on. It's um, got a lot of mobile phones there. That was, that was the time. Oh, right. A lot, a lot of Ericsson's. That, yeah, that's <laughs> right. People, exactly. People were just dishing them out on the side of the road. Yeah. That, that's when Ericsson's were kind of popular. So I'm not sure if that's still the case. But, uh, but anyway, so they got, they got four, uh, four COVID-19 sniffer dogs. Right. Have begun work at Helsinki Airport in a state-funded pilot scheme that Finnish researchers hope will provide a cheap, fast, and effective alternative method of testing people for the virus. Particularly at 100%, Lewis. Well, no, close, close oh, to. Close, close, close to, to. Close to. Yeah, approaching. Yeah, approaching. Yep. Yep. A dog is capable of detecting the presence of the coronavirus within 10 seconds. <laughs> That's a bit faster than your, your nasal swab, isn't it, that we've been having? Yeah. And the entire process takes less than a minute to complete, according to, I'm not so sure how to pronounce his name, Anna, got that, got that yep. bit. Helm, you, know, you nailed that one. Helm Bjorkman of the University yes. of Helsinki, who is overseeing the trial. Isn't that, wasn't that one of the ABBA, was that ABBA Bjorkman? Oh, Beyond Bjorkman is a tennis player. Beyond Bjorkman, yes. Yeah, Beyond, yeah, yeah. Beyond, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he was, uh, one, had one of the, the headbands. Yes, he was very good at the net, I think. It's very, it's very promising, said Helen Bjorkman. If it works, it could prove a good screening method in other places, such as hospitals, care homes, and at sporting and cultural events. <gasps> that means, yeah. would, would that mean we could have the grand final at the MCG? Yes, if, as long as we can get some Finnish sniffer dogs in. Yes, 100% accurate. Yeah, unfortunately, though, I don't think they'll be able to make it through um, quarantine in that time. Oh, Barnaby yeah. Joyce would have kittens over that. Oh, you know, yeah, so just bring them with pistol and boo. They'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be allowed <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I think, look, you probably need them. So you're probably not the member section, I imagine. Yeah, you wouldn't You wouldn't need the sniffer dogs and the members. But maybe if Collingwood made the grand final, there'd be, there'd be a, a fair contingent of sniffer dogs over around that section of the, the oval, I think. Yeah, well, I don't think there's much in the way of COVID that's spread uh, by via tattoos. So I'm sure that uh, a lot of the <laughs> Richmond supporters would be uh, would be absolutely fine. But your dental work, your dental work's a classic. Is there's a lot of aerosols of that. No, no chance of that. It's no be, chance of Collingwood spending it that way. It's because it's because with the missing teeth that when you breathe out, you know, it's a, it's just a, an, an increased sort of turbulence of the airflow. So therefore, it sort of spreads over a wider area. Yeah. I think that's the that's the thoughts behind it. But that's a, I don't know why, why didn't Gillen get into this? Gillen McLaughlin. After collecting their luggage, arriving international passengers are asked to dab their skin with a wipe. Right. Good. In a separate booth, the beaker containing the wipe is then placed next to others containing different control scents. Right. And the dog starts sniffing. What if there's a particular area you need to dab with the wipe? Well, this is what I was wondering. I was wondering what, how the testing was actually done because we know how dogs tend to like to sniff to, and the areas that they like to sniff, it's one, it's around the head. And also it depends, Lewis, on how COVID is spread. I mean, we do know that it is spread, you know, through nasal secretions and aerosols, you know, so from the nose and mouth, but also that some of the, uh, the governing bodies are doing uh, screening through um, uh, fecal samples. Yeah, some serious so testing, the, isn't there? Yeah, so whether or not the dogs sort of sniff around the head and then go and sniff around the bot. Oh, so you're saying the white might come from the nethers? I mean, possibly, possibly, right. yes. Yeah, around, around, the, around that area where the babies come out from. <laughs> no, they don't come out of there. Kitties, if you're listening, don't listen. Obvi. He's a vet, but he's not saying the right things. We'll have, we'll have to ask our, 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 our friend Clint. Yeah. Maybe. If it indicates it has detected the virus, usually by yelping, pouring, or lying down. Yelping. That's interesting. You wouldn't want to step on their foot at the same time. Wow. You? While, you, yeah. while you're taking the wipe, you'd be careful where you're putting your feet because you don't want to yelp at the same don't time. Don't just shuffle your feet as you're doing the, as you're doing the bot wipe. Yeah. A bot wipe. Oh. <laughs> 
The passenger is advised to take a free standard PCR test using a nasal swab to verify the dog's verdict. <laughs> okay, right. So they, they don't be- they don't really trust the dog. Well, I guess they just want to make sure it's right. Yeah, okay. It would be awkward at the MCG though. If you got the swab, you got the the wipe, you're like, which one's where where what and you get confused. You don't want to be confusing the swab for the for the wipe. Especially if you wiped it somewhere that you shouldn't be. Well, that's right. Exactly. If you're swabbing where you shouldn't and then putting it up your nose, that's not, that's not going to work. If we are going to do this at the football, is there going to be any issues if people like swab their, their hot jam donuts or, or, you know, say, say the hot dog or something like that, that they're going to get, you know, is there yeah, going to be possibly. any? Possibly. Maybe. A bit the, of the, mustard the, on it, you think? Yeah. That the Helsinki uh, sniffer dog might get a little bit, you know, oh. get the scent thrown off. So you might've come from a COVID hotspot, Lewis, and you're trying to work out some way of trying to, fool this dog so you can get in there and watch watch richmond get beaten by geelong um yeah for your grand final all oh, right yeah. yeah and then and then suddenly so you you're know, riding collingwood off as well still for the gee whiz mate you're a real supporter aren't you true oh, blue oh yeah to if, the wall if if, if if richmond had to go over and, and play out of a hotel room in <laughs> perth you know, you've written them off. Rabbit. This is I upsetting. haven't written them off. I'll still be there watching. But my goodness, it's gonna it's a hill to climb. <laughs> I'm already I'm already tempering Ruben's uh, expectations. Yeah, I'll be honest. I can understand you might yeah. be doing that. In the university's preliminary test, dogs which have been successfully used to detect diseases such as cancer and diabetes were able to identify the virus with nearly nearly 100 accuracy, even days before a patient developed symptoms. Crikey. Scientists are not yet sure what exactly it is the dogs sniff when they detect the virus. A French study published in June concluded that there was very high evidence that the sweat odour of COVID-positive people was different to those who did not have the virus and that dogs could detect the difference. Wow. So maybe you've got to swab, swab your armpits, Steve. Is that, what, is that what we're talking here? Maybe that's that's part of your uh, entry thing into hell, into um, Finland is, you know, where do you sweat from? Yeah, and okay, well, that's where we need to swab. You know, I, I, I'm particularly sweaty between my toes. Oh, well, we'll have to swab between your toes. Once when I um uh, the other day, I was just going heading to the, um head to the chemist to get some some deodorant. Yes, and uh, and uh, and the deodorant uh, the deodorant the chemist the chemist said to me, um, you know, um, so do you after some aerosol or, or ball? Or balls, and I said, "Ah, uh, oh, no, actually, it's just my underarms, thanks." You say, "Yeah, aerosol for your balls." <laughs> <laughs> aerosol or balls? <laughs> well, you know, I'll yes. I just take the deodorant. Thank but you. There's, there's a little joke. But thanks some, for the offer. Yeah. Straight from somehow related. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> I didn't say it very well. Anyway, dogs are also able to identify COVID nineteen from a much smaller molecular sample than PCR tests. Helsinki Airport said, needing only ten to hundred molecules to detect the presence of the virus, compared with eighteen. M. I'm not sure then. So obviously they just need more by the laboratory equipment needs more authorities in Vantar, the city where Helsinki's international airport is located. said the pilot program. Well, that's <laughs> good. It's good because it's at an airport. Clever. Which yeah. is due to last four months was costing 300,000 euros. Whoa. 10 dogs. It's My maths would hands. say that's 30,000 euros a dog. Whoa. That's all. Jeez. More, ex- more expensive than the pugs. Which it said was significantly lower than for laboratory-based testing methods. Although COVID-19 is known to infect mink and cats, dogs do not have the receptors necessary for the virus to readily gain a foothold and do not appear to be easily infected, according to Halm Birkman. That's what I was worrying about. You know, what if this dog does sniff someone that's COVID and then suddenly they've got to, oh, hang on. He's then gone and sniffed a whole lot of other people. Well, I guess it's... it's <laughs> They're, they're, they're sniffing the containers, so that's all right. Yeah, they're sniffing the wipes. Yes, yeah. In the wipes. There is no evidence that they can tra- uh, transmit the virus to people or other animals. A Finnish organisation that specialises in training animals in scent detection called Wise Nose. Oh, I love it. Is training a total of 16 dogs for the project, 10 of which are eventually expected to be able to work at the airport. Working in shifts of two, of two four of them, E.T., Cosi, Mina, and Valo started on Wednesday. Researchers in countries including Australia, France, Germany, and Britain are reportedly working on similar projects, but Finland is the first country in Europe to put dogs to work sniffing out the coronavirus. A similar trial started at Dubai International Airport last month. So, there's a job. There we go. What about for Rosie? Would Rosie be good for the Australian trial? 
Oh, it's a it's a great question that you ask. I mean, um, I think we need to. I mean, she does like coming and sniffing my clothes after I get home from work. She comes and you know she sort of sniffs the sniffs yep. the pants. That's that's how I know when it's time to when it's laundry day, Lewis. Is if Rosie, it's the amount of time that Rosie spends sniffing around where the other dogs. I'm not the don't don't look at me like that. Like you're trying to no. What? It's where the dogs have been rubbing up against my legs. That's where she sniffs. Oh, where the wipes are. Well, you've been wiping. Where the wipes are. Where That's wipes exactly are. right. Yeah. How do we yeah. get into this? <laughs> this has been a weird episode it so far. It is very weird, isn't yeah. it? The anyway. good thing is that this is in the this is part of the series where we're trying to say to people, hey, come and have a listen to our show because we know that you got all these questions <laughs> of puppies and kittens and it's COVID and have a listen to what we're doing. And everyone, oh, gee whiz, you know, I might just fast forward through to the important stuff because this is interesting. But and if anyone would like to sponsor the podcast, this is this is one we'd be forwarding to them, I reckon. Oh, yeah. We'll send we'll send this off to the Australian Podcast Industry Awards. Hey. This will this will get this will definitely get us off the you know, 100 up to at least sort of 98 or 97. <laughs> yeah, you're no doubt about it, mate. Now, have you got anything in the news or will I go keep going? No, no, I'm, I've got no news. All right, so this is the second one I saw in, uh, where are we here? This was from the Science Daily. Ooh, that Ooh. sounds high tech. Feeding indoor cats just once a day could improve health. Ooh. Anim- animal nutrition specialist in the University of... Guelph, I guess it is. University U of G's Ontario Veterinary College. Yeah, that sounds like wealth. It doesn't. And Ontario Agricultural College have found that feeding cats one large meal a day may help control hunger better than feeding them several times a day. Right. Yeah. The research published in the journal PLOS One revealed that cats that ate one meal a day were more satisfied, which could result in less food begging behavior. Right. How do you work out a cat satisfied? Um, I, I guess if they're, they're not bugging you for food, then for the rest of the day, because they've you know got a cramp in their abdomen because they can't move because their stomach's distended too much. I tell you, I, I'm guessing. I'll tell you what, we feed all these small meals during the day. Yeah. If we went down to one big meal, oh my goodness, there is no way oh, she'd be yeah. satisfied. The amount right. of begging and like you know, chasing us and... Although that probably would just extinguish over about three or four days, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah, just the amount of, yeah, amount of begging just to get that delicate care. Oh, I just want it, Dad. Give it to me. Yeah. The results also suggest cutting back feeding frequency could help, re- could help reduce the risk of obesity by controlling cats' appetite and potentially making them eat less. An important discovery given that obesity is the most common nutritional problem affecting cats. Yes, because yeah. how many other nutritional problems are there in cats? Well, yeah, there's uh, there's that heart one, if but if they don't get taurine, I guess. Yep. But yep. most yep. foods have Which that. I, I think I think pretty well got wiped out in about 1977. I think yes. you know yes. it's about about the Max Walker time. You know, since then, I don't think it's been an issue. No, no. no. Uh, other nutritional issues uh, in cats. Mm. I'm struggling. No, no, no. That's not it. a lot. No. no, no. So it's no wonder it's number one. Yeah, it's you know, not hard. Because like number got, two is a long way away. Yeah, that's like when I got my gold medal for um for the uh the the five kilometer walk in little athletics. Mm. You know, it was a fantastic. Yeah, medal. we haven't talked a, about this. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, gold medal in that, and also the triple jump as well. You know, I was a dual gold medalist at the Cranbourne Little Ass in uh, 1989. Admittedly, Fantastic. I was the only person in the five kilometer walk and in the triple jump, but that's absolutely fine, Lewis. You know, it, it, I yeah, got, had to be in it to win it. And so, much like this, you know, as obesity is the number one nutritional problem in cats. That's just, bir- just a pigeon flying into your house, mate. That's all good. No, it's up on the heater in the thing. It's going to end up crapping on the heater. Yeah, it's going to poo. All right, yeah, I'll yeah. keep talking. You, go you keep and, talking. I'm you go on that. Feed the pigeons some bread. So it's near the chickens too. The, you know. <laughs> the fightings, and as Robbie goes off to chase the pigeon off so it doesn't poo on his heater. Anyway, these fightings may surprise the veterinary community and many cat owners who have been told their animals need several small have been told their animals need several small meals a day. Said study co-author Professor Androni Verbrugge, a veterinarian with OVCs. Department of Clinical Studies who specialise in companion animal nutrition, but these results suggest there are benefits to this approach. All right, I'm back. What did I miss? Uh, oh, let me start again. <laughs> Feeding indoor cats just once a day. Good evening. Okay, previous research has examined the effects of meal frequency on cat 
behavior. But this stage is the first to use a comprehensive approach, analyzing effects on appetite suppressing hormones. Hmm. Physical activity, energy expenditure, and use of energy sources, said co-author Professor Kate Shoveler, an expert in animal nutrition with the University of Guelph's Department of Animal Biosciences. There was no good research to back up the several meals a day approach that many owners hear. And so we wanted to put some real data behind current feeding recommendations to be sure they were right for cats, she said. I think the small meals a day idea comes from the fact that, you know, it's thought that cats out in the wild, you know, will get uh, lots of small meals a day. So they like mm. a little mouse or they catch an insect or, yeah. or something and, and it's a, you know, a lizard or, or something like that or a bird yeah. um, and, and, and sort of be grazing throughout the day on, on things. And I guess as well as a behaviorist, I do like the idea of cats having some enrichment of perhaps looking for food every, you know, during the day rather than just one big meal. In, mm. in the day and something I do certainly uh, prescribe to owners is, is enriching cat's life is hiding food around the house that they can find. Yes. Um, you know, it, and that sort of thing. So in a little I bit do of- the same with Reuben. Yeah. I, I, I hide, I hide little bits of food around the house, you know, nice. it, it enriches his life. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Do you tell him where they are or you just go, no dinner tonight, mate, you go and find it. Go to go and hunt oh, but, it, son. But dad, I think the, I think the pigeons ate it. Yeah, you better be quicker. It better be quicker tomorrow, mate. That's why that pigeon was out there on the eater. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's looking for Ruben's food. Rat with wings. Yeah. Ooh. Whoa! Got a lot of pigeon fancies that listen, mate. Be careful. Could be careful. Yeah. yeah, if they can catch me with their with their pigeon fancies lung, they can they can have their way with me. They have to give me a throttling. The study involved eight healthy weight indoor cats under the age of five. So eight cats under five. Each cat was exposed to both feeding regimes and each for a total of Three weeks. <laughs> Robust. Yeah, that's Robust. right. Eight cats, three weeks each. Yep. With the same diet and amount being offered in either one or one meal or four meals. Some of the cats were fed only in the morning, while the others were fed the same amount in four smaller meals. The cats were equipped with the cats were equipped with activity monitor, monitors on harnesses to measure their voluntary physical activity. Food intake was recorded daily and body weight was measured weekly. Researchers also measured cat metabolism through breath. And blood. Woo. How do they get the cat to breathe? Oh, mate, they breathe all the time. Yeah, but how do you, yeah, hoff on this. Or what are they breathing onto? That's weird. Maybe a swab out in Helsinki. Maybe. Physical activity was hiring cats fed four times a day, but overall energy expansion was similar between the groups. So the cats fed more regularly, more active. The weights of the cats in both groups did not change over the study period, no matter which feeding schedule they were on. Cats that ate just once a day had higher post-meal levels of three key appetite-regulating hormones, suggesting they were more satisfied. These cats also showed lower fasting respiratory quotient, (laughs) (laughs) suggesting they were burning their fat stores, which is key to maintaining lean body weights. Wow, body mass. I probably should have read this before I read it on the podcast. It's quite in-depth. Ah, uh, we'll skip that bit there. Physiologically, it makes sense that feeding only once a day would have benefits, said Shoveler. When you look at human research, there's pretty consistent evidence there are positive health outcomes with intermittent fasting and improved satiety. Yeah, right. Even big cats in the wild engage in a form of intermittent fasting, the authors note, feasting when they make a kill and fasting before the next one. While their data suggests that feeding once a day may be a good way to promote satiation and lean body mass, the researchers would like to do longer studies. I'll bet they would. Yeah, so, I'm sure they would. The cats would enjoy of, it. Hey? The cat, I don't think the cats would enjoy it. But oh, Olive would go nuts. Yeah. But there's a bit of food for thought there, definitely. Yeah. Hey. And then I wonder, you know, do you feed them in the morning or in the afternoon? Because, I mean, my thing is, you know, they always say to people, if you're feeding an animal once a day, then that means that all of that, you know, they have to break it all down, absorb it all, store it, and then pull it back out of storage again, you know? But Yeah, I think I think that gets me is, that, you know, like you talk about feeding of, um, I think there's some studies, it's certainly the only dogs that feeding twice a day, uh, dogs that are fed twice a day are better uh, behaved, I think it was, and I'm not sure yeah, okay. exactly what the definition of behavior was. Maybe it was an obedience thing. I'm not really sure, but yeah. uh, it sort of ring, rings a bell. And I sort of think if you're only being fed once a day, your glucose levels must go up, rocket up, and then they must come down. Then you must have an extended period where you're potentially hangry with low glucose levels. Yeah, I think my, 
I think certainly Melvin gets hangry. Um, Melvin, he he beats up on Rosie, beats up on Parker. You know, like he, he gets. It's like those those um, Snickers ads where you know yeah. a guy turns into you know grumpy old um, you know yeah. uh, uh, the, the golden girl. Uh, yes. What's his name? Yeah, yeah Betty I don't know. Rose. Betty, know. Betty White. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Grumpy old Betty White. Yeah. And then then has a Snickers and then he's fine. You know. Yeah. So it's the same. But Melvin's exactly the same. If he if he went to feeding once a day, oh geez, I. I I don't know how many satiety hormones he's going to produce, but I reckon we'd, we'd have at, at least one fatality in the family. <laughs> well, I reckon, yeah, they did for three weeks each one. I reckon it would take at least a week to actually transition. Yeah. Like a cat. Yeah. He'd have to, if he's, I just think Olive would be just to be a nightmare. Just always harassing us for food for that week. Definitely. Yeah. It'd be yeah. bedlam. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. All righty. Move on to the scammer. What do you reckon? Yes. All advice on the show is general in nature. So please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information because veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we have missed anything. All right. It's time for a break. Sounds good, mate. And after the break, we'll come back with part three of our COVID puppies and kittens. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in (laughs) P-A-W-S? I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. (laughs) It certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for PetSure here. And you know they're presented by PetSure's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also, they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. Now, Robbie, mate, this is part three of our special COVID puppy and kitten adoptions, new puppy or kitten you've got in the house. Tell us, mate, what have we got today? Okay, so uh, I, today I wanted to talk about um, feeding and exercise, um, you know, as far as uh, the topics. So um, feeding, oh, so contentious um, in that uh, one of the greatest battles uh, that, that's forged in the animal husbandry world is that of the opinions of vets versus the opinions of breeders. So people bring their puppies in to see us and they go, oh, my breeder said not to listen to my vet and to do dot, 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 mm. dot. Wheat bix and, and milk and uh, and goat's milk. That's it, mate. That's all and, they need. And, and there's the oh, apart from on the when there's the full moon, and then you give them the the trout that you've turned around in an anti clockwise direction three times. And if um, they've got diarrhea, you know, they need a bit of bone broth. Oh, bone broth. Bone broth. Yeah, haven't you Pete, heard of that? Pete, Evan, Pete Evans style. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then, you know, the, the thing of where vets always say, oh, don't listen to your breeders because they don't know what they're talking about, you know? So it's this constant battle and the, and often the, um, the puppy and kitten owners sort of caught in the middle going, what in the hell do I do? So I, um, I usually say to owners, look, you know, opinions and bum holes, you know, we've all got them and, you know, some people, you know, (laughs) some people think that theirs is a lot more impressive than someone else's, but in the end, they still all get the job done. Right. And then I go, because then the the owners sort of glaze over a little bit and I go, okay, so right. So let's, you know, let's (laughs) Let's say what I really think now. Let's say what I really think. Um, so 
the the reality is is that with puppies and kittens they are in the growth phase of their life so um as when we were speaking to the prof uh, a, a couple of months ago um talking about the different uh energy and protein and nutrient requirements of growing animals compared to mature ones uh and i say to owners look you you're dogs and cats have only got one chance to grow. And once they're fully grown, yeah, you can probably have a little bit of a muck around and do different things, but at least while they're growing, you really want to make sure you're giving them the best chance. So, and I'm a busy man and I have a busy life and I've got kids and all that sort of stuff as a lot of the people, especially at the moment with COVID people got a lot of, uh, well, some, some people have more time than others, but um, the, if you're wanting to keep your life simple, Feed your puppy and kitten a good, reputable brand f- puppy or kitten food. Yep. It's it's fully formulated for growth. There's a bazillion and one out there. I'm uh, delicate cares. Um, <laughs> of course, that'd be what first on the list. A great option. Yes, um, no doubt about it. But there's um you know if you want the the difficult thing is you walk into a pet food store and they've got eighty different pet yes. foods and. More often than not, you'll go into a pet food store and you'll be recommended the one that they're currently making the biggest margin on that they've just had a huge pellet shipment of. Because I have people come and say, oh, have you heard about this diet? I go, yeah. mm, I've got no idea no, what on, you're talking about. He's on wild earth, um, grain-free. Uh, with spag- added turmeric. Badgecock with turmeric. <laughs> like, yeah, how much should I be feeding him? Oh, yeah. heard of that food. No, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, it is one of those unfortunate things that, you know, you've got different different quality profiles of the, of the protein that goes in and, you know, different, I guess, quality of what comes out the other end because it's amazing how much uh, research and development actually goes into making sure that the poo that comes out is actually as, you know, is, is, is good too, you know? So um, I usually say to people, feed a good brand puppy food, there are some that are premium. There are some that claim to be premium, but actually aren't. Yes. There are some that are perfectly fine middle of the range ones. Yes. And there is a whole lot of chaff out there that, you know, talk a good game, but often aren't. Yeah. So yep. um, things that I usually say to people to try and think about as far as things to look for, talk to your vet. Again, we've all got an opinion you know, um, of, of which brand we use. I know which brand I used for Rosie or which brand I used for the cats. That's the ones that I'd, I'll recommend to the, uh, to, to my clients, but I'll always give options because, you know, I, I did use one of the, one of the premium ones. So it is more expensive. Um, if people are, are really hell bent on wanting to home cook for their, um, for their animals, um, I usually recommend that they get in contact with a veterinary nutrition specialist um, who for a fee will formulate a specific diet for that breed of breed of dog or cat, you know? Um, so, so yeah, obviously, yeah, you're looking at, you know, you get a vet nutritionist and if you want it, you must do your home, your home cooked sort of thing for your puppies. Cause it is important, like you said, to have the right, particularly the ratio of calcium and phosphorus is very important. Yes. Um, as when we talked with the prof about particularly if you've got a larger breed dog, that can be yeah. an issue. And sometimes I'll say to us, look, yeah, if you want to do that home cooked food, that that's fine. And you don't want to get the nutritionist in, but you do need to make sure you add in a large proportion of the diet is one of those premium sort of foods, um, you know, that, that, that I recommend. Um, yes. I've got on the shelf out in the waiting room out there. Um, not because I've got them on the shelf because I make big money because we really don't make a lot of money at all <laughs> on the margins on pet foods. Um, but it's out there because that's what I know is going to make your puppy grow up to be, you know, puppy or kitten grow up to be as, as best and as, as full in their body structures and, and as sound in their body structure as they can be. Yeah. Because they've got one chance to grow, yeah. one chance to grow. And, um, and it's, you know, there's the fact that you've got in the breeds of dog, you could have a three kilogram chihuahua or a 80 kilogram Irish wolfhound. They're going to have different needs and requirements. So, you know, if you've got a large breed dog, it's going to have a much different energy profile requirement to what a Maltese Shih Tzu or a Harvanese or something like that's going to have. So when you're in having your puppy vaccinations really listen to your vet when they're talking about what are the specific things you should be looking at trying to do for your yeah, diet wise for your pet. Yeah. Spot on. Good mate. Yeah, definitely. 
so um and kittens kittens same you know it's just it's probably not quite as um hell bent on on you know like it's still important to have the the right calcium and phosphorus ratio um very important with cats because they do have the, you know, they're obligate carnivores and they need to have, as you were you've mentioning before about, you know, taurine, you've got to make sure that they've got that, which all the cat food, commercial cat foods do have. Um, but because cats, you know, the biggest difference you're going to have is really between a Maine Coon and a smaller cat. Yeah. That's a, the, the, the ratios aren't as, aren't as big as far as weight variation. So um, again, just feed them a good kitten food. It's good for them. Once they've grown, you know, yeah, you can give them little bits of, you know, other stuff, but make sure that the vast majority of what they're eating is a good reputable brand premium diet. And you'll give them a really good chance of growing up very, very well. And, and how many times a day should they be giving puppy milk and, and kitten milk that you buy off the shelf, mate? Oh, what a great question. Um, so uh, there's, a, uh, there's a saying... Yeah, there's a saying that the that the vegans like to use that is uh, not your mum, not your milk. So you know, once the once the pup, yeah, because they say that humans shouldn't be having milk either. You know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Yes, eh? Yeah, not not your mum, not your milk. So uh, so yeah, how how often do you need to give the puppies and kittens the um the puppy and kitten milk? That would be uh not not at all. Yeah. Uh, it is not required. It is more for us feeling bad that they're not with their mums anymore. Once they've weaned off their mum, they don't need no milk no more. So that, that puppy milk, that's not from dogs, is it? It's not. Well, puppy. no, it's not, which is still right, the reason why they don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They, they squeeze the dog. Yeah. Yeah. All, the, all these Frisian. The parents. Yeah. Yeah. Frisian black and white dogs that sort of walk into this thing. They go. <laughs> got little milking things on. Who was the guy who's out there milking the. Milk and the border collie. The border collie to, to fill up the little perina, whatever it is, or stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, geez, that'd take an awful lot of, uh, you know, oh, geez, that's a, that, there's a niche market for you, yeah, you know? Definitely. Anyway, and so exercise, let's move on to there. Exercise. So, oh, hang on, geez, your, your volume's just cranked right up. So, hang oh. on, let me wind you down. You just blown my eardrums out. So, Sorry, now, mate, I'm back. We're having a bit of technology issues today, everyone. Maybe it's the, the lightning and storm it that's about to come this way. Yeah, it's just hit us here too. Yeah. Um, so exercise. People often say, how often should I exercise my, my well, let's talk about cats first. Cats are going to do what they're going to do. Yep. You know, that's fine. And we move on. Um, <laughs> um, dogs, how often? But you can't, I mean, getting back to the cat. I mean, you yeah. can't, your kitten's playing and that sort of thing. If you're using as, you know, really a lot of vigorous yeah. exercise, you just can't really overdo it with a kitten. They'll stop. They'll pant, maybe get a bit hot, stop, and they'll 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 regulate themselves. They can't yeah. do damage running around, really. Cat cats are really good at internally telling you to piss off. So if they've had enough, they will go away. They'll go and away they and have say, a sleep. Yep. I've had enough. I'm going to go and have a sleep, and then leave me the hell alone because they're a cat, and that's the way the cats roll. Dogs, however, we've got to be a little bit more careful with, and particularly when you're talking about the large breed dogs. So large breed dogs that are more prone to having joint issues. It is really important that they exercise, but we need to be careful how much we exercise them. Uh, because if we overdo it, then you're going to increase your risks of cooking their joints a little bit quicker, elbow dysplasia, hip dysplasia, things like that. So this is, it's rule of thumb. There's no, to my knowledge, no absolute science behind how much you need to exercise your dog over what period of time. But as a good rule of thumb, the number of weeks they are, the number of minutes of exercise. Ah. So, if you've got, so if you've got a 10 to 12 week old puppy, exercise them for 10 to 12 minutes. If you've got a 16 week old puppy, exercise them for 16 to 20 minutes. Oh, I like know? it. So, ah. so then that way you can go. So it means that you're also gradually increasing their exercise. So you're not taking your 10 week old Pomeranian out for a five kilometer run. Yep. You know, you're slowly starting to build them up. So um, what sort of exercise and where to exercise them? Um, as we discussed the two weeks ago, being careful with your vaccinations, because obviously you need to be careful to make sure if you're taking your puppy out that they are protected against uh, the, um, the infectious diseases. So talk to your vet about when it is okay for your puppy to get out and exercise. But going, having that as a bit of a mindset of going, right, well, this is how much I can exercise my dog. Happy for you to do it twice a day. I much, much prefer um, uh, them to be going out and doing more smaller exercises more often than one big one, you know, rather than going and doing one half an hour walk, 
two two 15 minute walks is better because it gives them a chance of being able to recoup and to to regenerate their energy because the more fatigued they get the more their muscles are, are, are lax and then their joints are probably going to rattle around a little bit so i like to you know, more shorter exercise, I think, is a better way to go. Yeah, okay. So your 10-year-old dog, then, you're saying you can exercise for about nine hours a day. Is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, give, or my head. give or take. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. then – but then if you're doing it in human years, then you've got to multiply <laughs> by another factor of seven. So it means you've actually got to exercise them for 56 weeks per yeah. day. Yeah, or 63. Nine, seven, 63. It depends if they're a small small breed dog or a large breed dog. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to try and split hairs on it, but since you brought that into evidence, um, no. I, <laughs> so, so with so with your large breed, are you minimising that the the amount of hard exercise you're doing a bit more? Correct. So um so being careful of um you don't want to exercise them to fatigue because if you're exercising them to fatigue, you're really going to put some stress on those joints. Yep. So, um, you know, if you want them to be playing with the ball or a Frisbee or something like that, for sure, throw it to them a couple of times, but don't do it for an hour. Yep. You know, if you're going to the, if you're going to take them to the off lead dog park to have a run around, don't take them for a 15 minute walk first and then take them to the off lead dog park. Let them have a run around at the off lead dog park first and then pop them back on the lead and then go for a walk. So then that way the end of the exercise time is controlled exercise. I usually say one Frisbee throw per month per leg on the dog per height. They are in centimeters perhaps. And, and, and then divided by the number of spanners in a Sib Chrome toolkit. Something along those lines. So then you, you can really work out how many. It's quite a simple algorithm, similar to probably Facebook's algorithm of what they're going to show you. But, you know, just something simple. It's right. and, and does it matter on the diameter of the Frisbee, Lewis? You know, does that, yes. does that change the number of throws that you can do? It's dependent on how the altitude of where you are. Because oh, if you're higher up, the frisbee is going to land quicker and harder. So right, you have to run less because it's less air for the frisbee to sit up in. Uh, and and is it the same if you're using a triangular frisbee as to a round frisbee or a tri? You got a triangular frisbee? Yeah, you can get triangular um aerobies. Oh, aero! Ooh, expensive stuff, Daniel. Oh, mate, it's only the best here. I'm surprised you don't have them up there in the beachfront mansion. Aerobies. Um, so yeah. So so anyway. So so it's nice and simple. Um, but no, uh, it's. It, it is important because you do see people out there running around, particularly Labradors that go, Oh, I just need to try and run my legs off my Labrador. Yeah. So they sleep, you know, and it's like, Oh yeah, you, you can do that, but just be prepared for the fact that you're probably going to bugger their joints. Yeah. I think I, I had a specialist tell me once that, yeah, the old, the uh, larger breed dogs, you know, as well as the, um, some of the working breeds, border collies, couples, they will go all day, but you shouldn't really be running them too hard at all until at least they're 18 months of age. So Yeah, because they're, because we, we've spoken before about, um, about growth plates and about how uh, growth plates fuse, um, and that's, that's when your growing stops. Large breed dogs, their growth plates don't fuse completely for quite a long time. Yes. So if you're putting them through a lot of concussive exercise and working really hard with them, um, yeah, that can cause, can cause issues while they're, while they're growing. So good stuff. So, so food for thought, have a bit of a think about it. Again, talk to your vet about what they'd recommend, but feeding-wise, feed them a good brand puppy food. While, or kitten food while they're growing. Um, you know, how many times a day, maybe how many times a day feeding them? I usually say three times a day until they're getting a bit older. And then I still like to feed them twice a day and then just a nice little tidbit for dessert. Oh, you know, leave a little bit. Oh, you know, that's really sweet. Yeah, because then it just bookends the day nicely, Lewis. Oh, that's really sweet. It actually works it's really well. Like for, yeah, or for our animals, as soon as the TV goes off, they're all up and going, all right, where's my food? And they go, right, now we're going off to bed. That's really sweet, little tidbit. Just a little yeah, yeah. just for bed. Just, just, just a little nightcap. Nice. Just a little something, something. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I think I think though sometimes in those really younger puppies, though, they do need feeding actually more regularly, like yeah. a, a tiny little chihuahua or a Pomeranian or something that's that's really quite small, quite young. Often I'll be saying you need to actually feed that dog every every couple of hours a small amount of food because their stomachs are so small. But that's pretty specific, I think. So certainly I think three three meals a day from about you know average size dog from you know ten to twelve weeks of age that's uh, you know generally fine. And then getting down to about two feeds a day from about you know four or five months something like that certainly yeah. sounds good, mate. I'd good agree with stuff. that. There you go. Excellent. Part three done. Excellent. Yeah, good. Excellent. So all sorted. So we actually got a question this week from a Facebook. 
via Facebook from Michelle Lozano, who I think she's in Houston in Texas. Or Texas! Hi, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Robbie. We just adopted Miko, a one and a half year old rescue Akita here in Houston, Texas. No, there you go. It's in the the title. Yes, go Astros. We are totally smitten and she's fitting in so well with our family. We're first time dog owners and I know Akitas are kind of special. Yeah, Robbie, I often say that's... uh, that you're a special kind of guy. Well, thanks. Thank you very much. What does she I appreciate that. What do you think she means in this context by special? They sometimes can be, can, can be of the, the, the harder work variety, maybe, of dogs that they need some special attention, some special you know, guidance to help yeah, to I, do the right thing. I think training can sometimes be a little bit difficult with them. I think that's probably what she what she's saying and intimating to. We know it's important to get her trained correctly from the start, though she's really naturally already so pleasant. I've been trying to learn all I can about dog training. And I'm really glad I stumbled onto your episodes about dominance before we tried the dominance-based training techniques. I had no idea to do some of those things. I had no idea not to do some of those things. So that was episode 45 and 46. If, uh, if uh, you want to go back and listen about all the stuff we talked about, dominance. Yes. So we are trying to be very positive. One trainer on YouTube recommends a prong collar. Right. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago, didn't we? She yeah. says to make sure it's a Herm Splinger. Oh, with, a, with al- the alternating direction on prongs and a trachea plate. Oh, jeez. So I, I'm not a big aficionado of prong collars, but I did look it up. It's, it's just a brand, basically, Hermstringer. Right. Um, I'm sure it's a special design that they'll say is amazing, but uh, we'll yes. talk about it in a minute. That's what I'm about to click purchase on, but I really wanted to find out from you guys first. Don't do it. Don't no. do it. No. Is it Don't prong- click the button. No. Hopefully it's not too late. Don't do it, Michelle. Send it back. Is a prong collar a form of dominance-based equipment? If so, can you point me to info on how to help her stop pulling on walks and listen better when she sees a distraction? I'd love to be able to take her to the park on leash, of course, but currently the squirrels would not appreciate it. Really enjoying the podcast, but would love it if Lewis's wife, Deb, was on the show a bit more instead of special Robbie. Uh, Michelle. Yeah, There it is again. There it is again. Um, Funny about that. What, what can you do to try and help those poor squirrels? Oh, <laughs> not much. Squirrels not much for the squirrels. Squirrels are vermin over there. It's interesting because we see squirrels. Oh, ain't that cute? Look at that old squirrel. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're vermin over there. Anyway. Yeah, just, just yeah, fluffy-tailed rats. Yeah, probably. Like yeah. That Speaking of, i just got to make sure that bird's not hanging, sitting on my heater again. I think he's yeah, Is that her bird's back on my I heater? Saw him, I saw him fly back. I saw him fly, <laughs> I saw him fly on there about 20 minutes ago. I was like, I'm not telling him because because I need him to talk to. So, prong collar. Yes. I don't recommend them. They no, are, okay. Are they dominance-based equipment? Well, uh, that's a, a little bit mixing up terms there. Dominance, we've talked about in episode 45, it, it doesn't, dominance between owners and their dog is a flawed, you know, outdated concept. Um, yeah. It's proven really not to exist. So, yeah. anyone that's sort of talking about dominance training or using dominance techniques, You've got to find someone else there. They're outdated. They're not up to date with the latest scientific proof that, yeah. uh, that those dominance based methods, which often mean punishment based methods are being used to try and um, get the dog to do what you want them to do. So if we look specifically at the prong collar, the idea of a prong collar, and these are banned um, in Victoria where we are. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think they're illegal to purchase. Uh, we talked about the other so I haven't, I haven't looked up, but they're certainly banned mm-hmm. in Victoria. And the idea of a prong collar is when you pull on the collar is that these prongs come out and, and sort of uh, poke into the neck of the dog. Right. So the idea of them is they are about causing pain. It's the pain and the pressure they feel on the neck that's meant to stop them from, from going forward and say, oh, hang on, that's hurting. I'm going to stop pulling. So they are punishment based technique they're they're a positive punishment based technique in that you're giving something to the dog which is these uh, uh prongs into the neck uh to to um, uh, decrease the probability of them pulling in the future mm. on the flip side of that is the idea is yep when they stop pulling the the pain goes away because the prong relaxes so don't be fooled by all the all the uh 
the chat that comes around the prong collar that you have to buy this one because it's better than that one. It's if you know, and the the Herman Shire or Sheben Heben Herman Springen. The reverse ones and the and the clockwise and the anti-clockwise exactly uh, yeah. with the Drakeel plate and the Springer spaniel yeah. on it, they're all prong collars. Prong yeah. collars and similar to choker chains. I'm not a huge fan of choker chains either, really. So, what does she? What do I recommend if she's worried about the dog pulling? I'm really a big fan of the head halters. I love a yep. head halter, and there are lots of different brands of head halters. I also like the harnesses that have a front attachment that attach right. sort of under the, the neck or on the brisket area between the front legs, um, just in front of the front legs. I'm really a big fan of either of those sort of uh, if you, if you need a device to help them. Um, and then, you know, the, the stuff about seeing squirrels, look, dogs chasing uh, other animals. Uh, if it's a prey drive thing is actually really, really hard to solve. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's an almost an innate um, in some dogs, innate preference. Instinct. To, yeah. Instinct. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, to, to chase those, to chase those animals. And, and really what you need is you need to be able to make yourself more appealing than that squirrel. And that dressing up as a squirrel. Will that help? Potentially. That was top of my list. If, top and, of your list. Yeah. And if you haven't got a squirrel costume, you could then try doing some training at home where you're using food rewards at home when there are no squirrels around. Right. Um, and then when you feel that's going well, get your partner to jump out of the bedroom with the squirrel suit on and then still yep. trying to get the dog not to be distracted. Is, it, is there any, anything on your list there about having your partner wearing a squirrel suit, having the spring, the spring color on? Having oh, the, the, you're having the, the spring of spring of prong collar on and then coming the, out in the squirrel suit and giving the squirrel grip with her at the squirrel grip with it, with the prong collar around the partner, around the cruets. Look what Goodness. they want, they, what they want to do around in their the, own around time. Around the squirrel's nuts. Michelle, if, if that's what you want to do in your own time, don't tell us about other podcasts. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lewis has got a completely different podcast for that. Where he's, where he del- delves into the more, you know, the, the more, more lurid, you know, uses of collars and such. So that, that is the basic, the tenet of what, what you need to try and do is you've got a dog that's really distracted by something like squirrels. You've got to work on actually you being more attractive than the squirrels. So you yep. use a lot of food rewards again, just to sit and maybe focus on you in, in the home environment. Then you might be working on the, in the backyard or a few more distractions and maybe working in the street, um, you know, and then maybe going to the park where the squirrels are there and working a long distance from the squirrels and just making yourself more attractive with food rewards and telling the dog to focus on you when, when they sort of, sort of things happen. But I think what might be really helpful, you are in the Houston, Texas area. Uh, and, and I think a trainer might be a really, really good suitable, maybe better than some of those YouTube um, sort of trainers that you're getting. So what I would suggest is there's a colleague of ours or mine, Dr. I'm not sure how to say then I think it's law, Dr. Law Hawk. Uh, from texasvetbehavior.com. If you go to their website and you give them a call, um, they'll be local and they'll know some good trainers in your area. They're actually, she's a veterinary behaviorist um, who um, also has a copy of my book. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Now. There she's, it is. I, I knew know, it was in there somewhere. Oh, there is a plug. Yeah. Tell your doggy pregnant. An essential guide for dog owners who are expecting a baby. Nice. Just look, I'm not saying Michelle is, but you know, just a great time to bring it up. Thanks for asking, Robbie. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. You're, you're welcome, mate. You're welcome. Anything I can do to help. Yeah. So I, I would be giving them a call and just even a front reception saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm new to the area or make up a story, whatever. And I'm new dog. I'm new dog. I'm, I'm dressed as a squirrel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> is it, it's not working. My husband's jumped out. My partner's jumped out of the room with the squirrel suit on, wearing the prong collar, and uh, and my dog's still uh, and, and Miko's still gone mad for it. So I was wondering uh, if you could point me in the direction of a trainer. <laughs> the, or the other option is to go to uh, Karen Pryor Academy. Karen's K A R E N, and then Pryor P R Y O R Academy, and look for a recommended trainer in your area. I did have a quick look. There is one in the Houston sort of area. So, cool. so go and check out those guys. They can provide, you know, I think some some good early advice on some, um, particularly with a sort of strong will dog than a keto can be, um, is certainly prudent advice. And so strong go. dogs too, strong, yeah. strong willed and strong. So he has sent some lovely photos actually, and looks absolutely gorgeous. Cool, gorgeous fluffy, dog. so fluffy. Yeah, really gorgeous, really, yeah. really sweet. So if you've got a question similar to um to Michelle's, um, and you want us to make jokes about your 
nighttime activities with squirrels and, and colours and all those sorts of uh, things, then be sure to send us a question. Yes, at Two, two, vets, talk, two vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up at Facebook, search for Two Vets Talk Pets. You can find us at Patreon, patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets. You can sign up for as little as $2 a month. You can join up and Lewis will um, begrudgingly put a, a, a sticker in an envelope and send it out to you. One sticker. One sticker. One yeah, sticker or decal gal. If, if, um, if, Michelle, if Michelle became a yes. Patreon supporter, hypothetically, hypothetically, we were very good in answering her question. Then, then she got we, her $2 worth. That's right. Then we would send out a sticker via decal gal. Whoa, you beauty. Who's, who's nowhere near Texas in South Carolina, but anyway. But we want to do everything we can to try and support the US Postal Service. <laughs> yes, you're spot on. But anyway, so yeah, send us a question. Uh, we certainly love hearing from them. Thanks, thanks Michelle, this week for your question. Um, yes. And uh, I reckon that's about a wrap, mate. What do you think? Absolutely. I am out. Peace out, everyone. Scratch you later. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.